It is July 30th, 2019. This is episode 5 of Rich to Tell Talk. I'm your host, David Newton, and this is part 1 of a two-part Columbia Cup special. For this episode, we got a chance to interview with Brian Perkins, and we talked about life, hydroplanes, and somehow even time travel. But we're also going to talk about the RC hydroplanes that race every year in the pond behind the pits at the Columbia Cup. I got a chance to interview the race winners of the RC Unlimited's Columbia Cup. So sit back, relax, and welcome to Richertail Talk. All right, well, welcome back to Richertail Talk. I'm sitting here in a well, I'm really thankful to be sitting here in an air-conditioned <laughs> motorhome with Brian Perkins. Brian, how are you doing? Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> a little yeah. bit of a rough go today, but doing all right. Yeah. We might have to make this a, a lo- much longer interview to stay in this air-conditioned Yeah, yeah. RV. It's a good excuse, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so no one else can bother Brian right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, came over here with a brand new boat. Very exciting. I saw the christening on the docks there and um, had a couple of unfortunate events there. Can you kind of talk about what happened I saw it didn't fire didn't spool up for you yeah so you know this boat it's a beautiful boat um you know it's been 10 years in construction off and on so Greg and Brian you know they'd work on it for a month or two in the winter time and then they'd focus their uh, efforts you know whether it be labor financial efforts on the 21 which was our current running boat yeah and then we'd go another year and then it come time in the off season we'd work a little bit on the new boat and then start working on the race boat. Yeah. And so we've done that on and off for, like I say, 10 years. Has it really been 10 years? 10 years. When I first started driving for wow. Greg in 2009, he laid the bottom on the jig. Wow. So, yeah, when we were running the Navy boat, he was he, he laid the first panels, or Dale Van Weirgen laid the yeah. first panels on the jig. So yeah. it's been a long time. Yeah. And, and I think we've had Dale, Ron Jones, Mike Hansen, a lot of people that work under those guys all working on this boat, plus all of the 21 team, yeah. past and present. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of people who have had a hand in this thing, so yeah. I think it's kind of cool. And it's I know everybody that has, has had a helping hand is excited to see the thing go around the race course. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Well, man, I didn't realize it was that long. It's yeah. Since yeah. Well, so and then we didn't make testing. Yeah. Because um, the boat wasn't ready, and then there was an opportunity to maybe get in with the Alberto thing when they ran on Lake Washington. Right. Um, okay. We weren't ready for that. Yeah. We almost, I mean, we got it. I mean, they, the guys, they got the stuff. But, I mean, it was almost, it was a struggle right to the end. Yeah. So we get here, and um, we wanted to be one of the first boats out. That didn't work. Got it in the water. Uh, tr- fired the boat, got away from the dock, and the thing started to despool. Um, it was a fuel issue. Okay. We weren't quite sure what was going on, yeah. um, but I couldn't get it relit, yeah. so I had to get towed in, yeah. missed that section, made it out for the second section. Boat ran pretty dang well. Um, yeah. A little flighty on the on the right side. You'd say it looked a little loose out there, but it looked nice out there. At yeah, least, yeah. Um, a couple of good laps. Yep. Yeah, so so that was all good. Um, but uh, then I think on the fifth lap, uh, the trap door opened, and. Uh, the back stretch we came around the, the turn two up there and came down the front stretch um, tried to grab it but I couldn't reach it and uh, coming in it started as I slowed down it started to slap the bottom of the cockpit really hard and as I slowed down more it kept slapping even harder and then finally it just ripped off 
So we have lost the trap door. Yeah. It's at the bottom of the Columbia River. Hopefully, um, the divers are going to dive at 5.30-ish as soon as the course closes. Yeah. yeah. Try to go find it. The problem that we have right now is that trap door is one of two kinds. So it's there's only two of them out there that are that style. Okay. One's on the new Home Street boat, one's on our boat. There yeah. might be one maybe on the 22 boat in Detroit. Oh, um, wow. Which isn't being used, which is good, but yeah. it doesn't help us out for this weekend. No. Um, so where we're at right now is we can hopefully find the one that's on the bottom. Um, and if we can find it, we can repair it and put it back on. Uh, the other one is going to be either make a new one, and that's that's an option, or maybe the 22 guys have one that they okay. could loan us and we could replace or something. I don't know, but okay. but that's where we're at. Yeah, we can't run without it, obviously. No. Um, and uh, and and hopefully, yeah. hopefully we can find it. Yeah, and Home Street didn't take theirs off to offer that to you, right? Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> and and I would bet that after this. <laughs> They'd probably be making a spare. Yeah. Because it oh, is, definitely. I mean, right now they have, as far as we believe, the only one that you can get right now. Yeah. Because, yeah. Yeah. It's so, one of those things you don't really think about until something like this happens. I well, guess. and each trap door also is <coughs> custom fit to each boat because you start with the trap door when you make that bottom tray of the, of the cockpit. Mm -hmm. So you lay up the bottom door and you put the bottom door back into the mold and then lay the cockpit up around that. So even though you might find another door, it might not fit perfect yeah. so you have to grind it fit it yeah and make it work right. so we'll wow. see the, right. the best case scenario is to find that other one yeah fingers crossed yeah hopefully it's a bright color i didn't see what color the, it was the bottom is neon orange the top is primer gray the inside is primer gray. hopefully it's so orange up hopefully it's orange up yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right so was your plan originally to run this in tri-cities and then also run it in seattle that was the plan okay yeah plans may be changing yeah well stay tuned for that. yeah that's okay. right that's right all right. Well, hopefully everything works out. It's uh, kind of sad to see that result for you on day one, but uh, it's not the start we wanted. No. But you know, we did get some good data. We we learned a lot good. just in the one run, and good. and so we can definitely improve the next time. All right. All right. Well, part of this podcast is kind of talking about memories with hydroplanes, and I know you grew up around this area, and uh, it's been part of your life for probably your whole life or most of it at least uh yeah all, all my life yeah, yeah so, i've been to every seafair since i was born yeah all right well um can you share some kind of highlight memories for yourself or um you know also kind of how you got involved more and more with the sport yeah so i don't know if i have one specific early memory i have lots uh my parents volunteered at the seattle seafair race um and uh they have a they have a boat so they would they would be a turn judge when yeah. I was around. They, they did other stuff prior to that, but when when I was born, they were turn judging. So they'd go out in the middle of the race course in one of the turn buoys and, and uh, hook up, and then the judges would come out with the flags. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I grew up with. And, and wow. we'd basically live on the boat in the pits all seafair weekend. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, the crews would leave, and we'd get to go wander around the pits. And, yeah. you know, then I'd, as soon as I could get up in the morning, I wanted to go out and talk to the crew, see if I could get buttons or pins or right. get an autograph from a driver or this or that, you know, but, but yeah. I, you know, I grew up idolizing the sport, like yeah. kind of all of us do. Yeah. Like myself. Yeah. yeah. And, um, we, my dad was always good friends with Bill Wooster, uh, who owned the <laughs> Tide Lumar, uh, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the winter of 99 and 2000, he, he, uh, had fired his crew and was kind of looking for a fresh start. 
Um, and Dad said, well, if you need a hand, we can come down. We can sweep the floor. You know, we can help you put stuff away. It was right after their last race of the season. Yeah. And I said, yeah, come on down. So we started going down, and uh, I couldn't get enough, you know, just to be in the shop and yeah. work in the shop. And, yeah. and my dad was kind of like, no, nah, this is great, but I want to go do other things. Yeah. So Bill offered. He says, well, Brian can just stay with me at my house. I'll just watch him for the weekend. We'll go down right. to the boat shop. And so, yeah, we... You know, one thing so, led to another, and then they—I yeah. was lucky enough—I got to go on the road with them for that season, and and Fun. was was hooked. You know, yeah, yeah. very cool. So, very yeah. Cool. Well, what, since you were kind of a big Hydro fan and geek growing up, like still I am, was, still am. Well, we still are. We still are. <laughs> we, didn't, we never grew up. Um, what was your? Who was your favorite team growing up? I had a lot. Driver. I had a lot. I liked George Woods uh, yeah. in the the '92 Merlin-powered Oboe yeah. Alberto. That was that was one of my favorites. George Woods Jr. in the in the Tide. I was yeah. always a Wooster fan, obviously, yeah. from the relationship yeah. with my dad. Yeah. Um, you know, I liked the two wing boat. So anybody who drove a Jones two wing, yeah. the X side, the Coors Dry, yeah. you know, T-plus. yep, T plus, yeah. 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 It's always a big fan of those. I just thought they looked cool. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, all of them. I like. I I really. Was fascinated by the like when the four point elam came out yeah. it was different right. something that you don't see right um so stuff like that the real innovative stuff that people yeah. would come out with and try yeah which that, people don't really do that anymore other than the 440 which yeah big fan of the 440 they're great yeah yeah, yeah. but that was fun a fun time in the early 90s when people were trying new designs two wings four point like you said yeah automotive, automotive boats automotive boats yeah. yeah there's a lot of a lot of cool unique things happening there all right well now your part of the Miss Rock fraternity. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> How do you feel about that? How's that been for you so far? I know you've been doing some like PR stuff for them. It's cool. It's, you know, it's funny. I knew that the Miss Rock had a following. Yeah. Um, but I didn't realize how big it is. Yeah. I mean, everybody knows the Miss Rock. I mean, other than the Budweiser, in at least in Seattle. Right. If it's not, but everybody knows Miss Rock. Mm-hmm. You know, was, most people know Atlas Van Lines and a few others, but everybody yeah. knows Miss Rock. Yeah. Um, their reputation is not very good. I've I have found out. Um, but how they know of it. But they, they know, know it. they know of it. And, and, yeah. So hopefully we can change the reputation a little bit. I know Aaron Salmon last year did a great job. Yeah. You know, with what he had to work with, he he did a phenomenal job and, and represented them well. And and they speak very highly of of Aaron and the team last year. Okay. Uh, the the Miss Rock yeah. uh, guys. So yeah. that was kind of cool to hear. Because um, yeah. I felt the same. I thought they did a great job. But yeah. We're excited for this year. Um, the guys are great. Um, it's been a fun, uh, fun couple weeks, months, I guess, yeah. since, since we signed the deal. But cool. uh, we're looking forward to Seattle for sure. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. That one event you had, there's a concert you went to. Yeah, it's like a Motley Crew. Yep. Uh, what do you call that? Um, uh, cover band. Cover band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looked like a lot of fun. I wanted. It to was. Play, but I had a uh, had, had an RC race that day, so. Ah, oh, damn it! Didn't go home. <laughs> That would have been pretty cool. That yeah, pretty cool. it was fun. It was yeah. a lot. Of, there were a lot of people out. I guess yeah. it was, uh, oh, like uh, White Center Jubilee Days or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So there, a lot of people. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was really fun. Yeah. And cool. it, they do a lot of promotional stuff, which, you know, I think our sport needs a lot more of. Oh so, yeah, definitely. Uh, they definitely, definitely know how to do it. Oh yeah. yeah. So, but it was cool. Yeah, rock on. It's right. right. Rock on. <laughs> All right. Well, I know you've raced a lot of different classes over the years. Where you were driving uh, unlimited lights. Yeah. Uh, what else are you? What are you driving right now? Nothing. Um, just unlimiteds. Just unlimiteds. Yeah. Okay. So we used to one liter was kind of my my class that I, yeah. I really fell in love with, and yeah. I, I started there, got away from it, and then kind of got back into it. Mm-hmm. Um, we ran at one point. We ran three boats in the class, 
uh, and uh, I don't know. They're just they're small enough boats that can fit in a normal garage. Yeah. One guy can pretty much do everything on them, so you know we did most of the stuff myself, or you know we'd the, loan a boat out and he would be able to take care of it. Or, or that, was that class pretty cost efficient for? At the time, yeah, when we got yeah. into it, yeah. I mean, you could buy a turnkey setup for like 15, 20 grand, and that would be a really competitive yeah. boat. Um, which for a racing vehicle is is pretty affordable. Yeah. Um, you know, you could you could get into one for a lot less mm -hmm. and do a little work and probably be competitive. Yeah. Uh, but what's happened now in that class is that they uh, they've allowed these bigger two-stroke engines, and it's basically an open class, so you can do oh. anything you want. Yeah. So when we started, uh, you couldn't run two-stroke, then they allowed them, and when they we were basically running stock stuff. You could pick up an engine for like three grand. Okay. To fifteen hundred bucks, and if, if you knew how to work on it, then you can bring it up to the yeah. three grand level, you know. Yeah. Um, but now a, a competitive engine is going to be six to ten thousand okay. dollars, you know. And so it's it's it has become oh. not cost effective. Yeah. yeah. Um, so That's too bad. so we we've gotten out of it. Um, I sold the boat. Uh, a guy named Ben Black bought it out of Spokane. Okay. Um, and then he sold it. My father-in-law actually bought it, and so it kind of <laughs> kind of came home more or less. And now. Uh, Gunnar O'Farrell, uh, mm -hmm. Brian O'Farrell's son has it, and uh, and and he's going to fix it up and he's going to run it. Oh, so, cool. Yeah, I don't know if it's at the water this year. He's trying, but yeah. next year for sure. Oh, very cool. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Well, what's what's been your favorite class of race? I know you've had experience. You, you know, probably one liter. Yeah. Um, and the only reason I don't know if it'd be one liter now or one liter back like five years ago, okay. ten years ago. There was a time when it was like you were going to the go-kart track with your buddies. Mm -hmm. You know, the boats were super light. They had a lot of acceleration. Mm -hmm. um, they were all fairly evenly matched. Yeah. And uh, w our group, you know, we had a great time. Yeah. Um, you know, we'd have a barbecue together, our class would. And, oh. you know, it'd be like, you know, hey, you're bringing this, you're bringing that. We all get together. And, yeah. That's really fun. You know, and that, and that made it fun. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and, and so I would say that that time period in that class you yeah. know it's still a fun class today yeah um but uh you know it, yeah I, I think it could get back to that we just have to see yeah yeah that'd be really cool if it does yeah. Yeah. yeah two and a half Hopefully. liter from what i understand is kind of like that now okay um and the engine rules have changed since i've been involved so they have a bigger engine or a faster engine okay. so so it may be like one liter was but okay. uh, i just haven't been around well, it in the last few years we'll check it out then, yeah right? yeah <laughs> I want to talk about race courses that you've been around, because I know you've. So how many how many years have you raced in Unlimiteds now? It's been since since 2000. Well, I started in 2007 here okay. with the Freedom guys. Okay. We ran here in Seattle. Right. Seattle, we didn't. We blew a gearbox up right away, um, and then San Diego, we blew a gearbox up right away. Yeah. So we only had the one race, I guess, really that year. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I picked up with Greg in 2009. I've been with him ever okay. since. So. Okay. Um, I forgot. About the 2007, so I was going to say yeah. 2009, so it's been 10 years. But yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, so I know you've gone on a lot of race courses around the United States. Unfortunately, they're not on too many of those yeah. right now, but what was uh, one of your favorite courses to go to? You always look forward to going to that course um, for whatever reason. I've always liked Seattle because it's home. Yeah. It's a challenging race course because it's rough, mm -hmm. um, but it's home. You know, that's where I watched. I, dad would record all the seafarer races you know the, the live tv days so mm -hmm. you know i used to watch those i'd come home from school i'd put the tape in you know and i just just watch you yeah. know and uh so i always felt like i was familiar with that race course even before <laughs> i really drove a boat on it like i i knew 
about the Genesee Gap and yeah. and, and the parallel know, rollers, the parallel rollers, and and where stuff gets soupy and mm-hmm. versus another one. So I've always liked Seattle. Um, San Diego's always been a fun one because it's fast. Yeah, it's calm unless you yeah. get six boats out there. Yeah, and you're behind. Yeah, it's never calm. It's never calm at that point. <laughs> yeah, it's never calm at that point. Um, and it's San Diego, so yeah, who doesn't like San Diego? Oh yeah, <laughs> it's a great reason to go down there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, very cool. Oh, I was uh, talking to Jeff Bernard in our last interview, and we're talking about theme songs. It'd be kind of cool if every driver, when they go out on the course, they have a theme song. I don't know if you go to Mariners games. Yeah, so yeah. Like when the batters come out, they have a theme song. Yep. What would your theme song be? Um, I, uh, there's one that. My wife and I, we've got, I can't remember what it is. It's called Get Loud For Me. Uh, I don't know okay. the artist, but uh, right. the Vancouver Canucks used it as a opening deal when the team came out on the ice. Okay, I gotcha. uh, NHL team in, in Canada, and uh, I, I like it. You know, it's kind of one of those upbeat, like a, like maybe a workout song kind of thing, yeah. you know, get okay. you pumped up. Right. Um, but it definitely, I think, I think the sport needs to somehow implement music into yeah. its uh, schedule. I mean, okay. everything you go to nowadays has music. And, and it's what keeps fans' attention. It's yeah. what keeps our attention. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have to implement music, I think, to, yeah. to make this sport grow. Yeah. So how they're going to do it, I don't know. But right. they need well, to do it, in my opinion. All right. Well, we'll, we'll pass the word along. Sounds see, good. Yeah, do what you can. Listening. Do what you can. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, very cool. Well, I know you're in, a, you, well, you, in, free, in your free time, you do some RC boating. Yeah. Right? So I've, I've been around that my whole life. Sure. And, yeah, yeah. Um, I think you've been picking that up a little bit more in the yeah. past few years. Um, what, what kind of boats have you been So been what we started out with, my father-in-law bought these boats from China. Um, they're uh, little, like, 24-inch boats. They've got a 3,100 kV, uh, I think it's a 20, 48, 28 or 28, 48, a little electric motor. Mm-hmm. Um, that was 60 A-speed control. Um, use, uh, I think they're 11.1 milliamp, and I don't know if they're 3,000. Or sorry, three thousand milliamp. Yeah. They're eleven point one volt. Okay. So they're smaller stuff from what you guys use. Yeah. But yeah. Um, we take all that and basically use that as guts. Yeah. And then we'll buy like uh, either run that hull that comes from China. Yeah. It's a little abstract looking, but it's cool. Yeah. Um, or I've been buying like the MRP boats off of eBay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or I've got one that's like a, a Blue Bayou boat. Um, okay. That I got from a guy in California. Uh, couple other hulls but they're 24 inches anyway mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. take those guts we put it in those hulls and they run pretty good yeah you know and batteries are cheap and motors are cheap and yeah it's really inexpensive how, yeah i mean the price has gone down so much over the years yeah and the technology just improved dramatically yeah. so we can That's buy that wild. boat out of china for like on ebay or amazon for like 130 140 bucks oh yeah and then you can get a hull for you know if it's just the hull depending on what shape it's in yeah. you can get them for 50 you can get them for 200 if right. You know, if it's the Budweiser yeah. and it's just perfect, yeah. you know, yeah. you're going to pay more yeah. for it. But, yeah. um, you know, you could be into one for yeah. a couple, three hundred bucks. Yeah, it's not, it's really cost effective you know? compared to one liter. Yeah, yes, it is. Yeah. yeah, well, but even the boats you yeah. guys run, you know, they're yeah. they're awesome. But shoot, one guy was telling me it's like 80 bucks for a set of batteries. Uh, well, it's for one. Oh, it's for one. Yeah. Excuse me. All right. But for a pair, it's about <laughs> closer to 200. And that's one. Depending run. on what class you run. Okay. And it's that's like one run, right? Yeah, that's one run. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so it's like 200 bucks for the set for that. But but you only need a couple more of those. Yeah, well, true. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. they're so cool. I, I, I love, I've always loved RC stuff, yeah. especially RC hydroplanes. Oh, yeah. um, and uh, totally geek out on that yeah. stuff. And, and one of these days, you know, 
Well, that's, that's my next question. Yeah. When, when, uh, when are you going to race with us? When? One of these days. So I have, I have an eight-scale Navy boat. Um, it, it's a gas. It was a gas boat. Yeah. It's just a shell. Yeah. And I've tossed around the idea of converting that to. Okay. I would go electric. You know, you know, a lot of guys are like, "Oh, you got to go gas." Yeah, that's, that's what it it's is. It's getting more popular. Yeah. We had uh, eighteen FE electrics at our first race this year. Okay. So. It's I feel like you can go run them anywhere. People don't care. Yeah. The gas boats. If you go take yeah. them to a pond or lake, people get pissed off because oh, yeah. they're loud and noisy. I, I go down and test at uh, Coolon Park in Renton. Yeah. And I take my electric and. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Some people come by and ask me questions, but yeah. I haven't anyone complained about that. Right. I know if I brought my nitro boat that was like 90 whatever DBs, yeah. I, I wouldn't be there very yeah. long. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, I got a shop open with a bench space, so if you need yeah, some help with that. You know, and I think over. that's because I, I, it's addicting, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. It is. Yeah. So oh, it is. I ended up buying all these hulls and I bought all this stuff. Yeah. And now I'm to the point where I'm starting to get rid of some of that stuff. Yeah. And uh, I've got what I've got. I've got four or five of the poles that run um, of, of the pro boats. But yeah, it, it, for me right now, it's time. So oh yeah, maybe maybe I could talk to somebody and just say, hey, I got the boat. If you could set it up, yeah, whatever. Well, but well, you got my number now. So I do. I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah, we got spare boats too. So if you ever want to just uh, be that, a guest driver, yeah, that might work yeah. out too. Pay's not the same. We, we then, don't pay you anything to come out and do this. Oh, but. Well, yeah. do you, do you, you think uh, you think this is a profitable sport out there? <laughs> yeah, it's. I think all boat racing pays the same. Yeah. 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 All right. All right. Fair. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Right. But no, I would love to. It's just. Yeah. yeah we got to get the time and, and that is, that is uh, I need to get a schedule and yeah. But I would yeah. love to. I think that'd be so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, we'll try to secret. I'm a school teacher because it gives me summers off. So it gives me time to do this. That's stuff. the perfect boat so, racing job. Yeah. It yeah. is. It is. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't manage to do that. <laughs> My mom right. did. Yeah. Well, I got a kind of a out there question for you. Yeah. So I like I like to talk about like hypotheticals all the time. Me and my wife. We like, what if you win the lottery? What if this happens? What are you gonna do? Sure. But if uh, my wife actually came up with this question, like if okay. if you could time travel and go to any year in the past and choose a boat, and you kick that driver out of the seat, and you get to race that boat, what what would that be for you? You know, that's a it's an interesting question because there's so many. Oh yeah. You know, um, I would want to be one of the guys that was uh, driving something innovative for the first time, um, like the Turbo Pay Impact. I think that would be super oh. fun. You know. Well, I don't know no, the first time though. Well, I understand. I, I, I understand. That. Is a loaded question. Yeah. yeah or yeah. you know, or uh, you know, but, but maybe with the knowledge. Hind that hindsight, yeah. you, you know, you'd go, yeah, yeah. maybe not the smartest move. You know, yeah. or at least Walters would probably tell you that. Yeah. Um, but that or like the the bubble butt, the Griffin bubble butt, yeah. you know, first yeah. one in on the enclosed cockpit, or, yeah. or um, you know, the light all star, you know, something like that that mm -hmm. that is new, state of the art, and and uh, but yeah, still a historical boat. I think that right. would be pretty cool. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Well, very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I don't know if we'll ever make that happen, but it's yeah. Fun. Well, it's if you dream. ever do, yeah, it's exactly. Dream. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, what's the future of your team here? Where do you guys see yourselves going? Are you going to be at San Diego this year? How's next year at look the, for you? At this point, uh, Seattle is it for 2019. Yeah. Um, there might be some things in the works, but you know how it goes with boat racing. It's so, all secret right now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, like I say, one day we're going one direction, the other day we're going another, yeah. and that's every team, I think. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. Uh, 
That's racing in general. Exactly. Yeah. So um, I don't know what t- 2020 will hold for Go Fast Turn Left. Um, I think Greg uh, has got a lot of things on his mind. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. But uh, it is a great team. Yeah. And you know, I think with with both boats, if we go to the other boat for Seattle, um, we know what it does. It should be you know as competitive as it has been in the past, yeah. which is which is which is okay. Yeah. Um, and both boats would basically be ready to run, so it would put him in a good position. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want to run this boat in Seattle if we oh, can course, figure out yeah. a way to do that. Um, but either way, he's going to have two boats sitting there. Okay. Um, he has talked that. Maybe he would put one up for sale. Maybe. Okay. Um, but you never know. That's yeah. that's that's his gig, and and uh, and he's the boss. So. Yeah. Well, it'd be cool to see both boats out there, right? More yeah. boats. Yeah. More and I don't, you know, I don't know that that's out of the question either. If if the yeah. right opportunity presented itself to yeah. to go faster and left, I think I think the opportunity could be there. Right. But uh, it's totally up to Brian and Greg yeah. and the O'Farrell family to yeah. to decide what they want to do. So. Yeah. Really, really, they're the only ones that can answer any future questions. Right. Okay. Well, there's there's a next podcast for us, I guess. Sounds good. Yeah. yeah. But there's a lot that goes into it, right? Sponsorships, yeah. money, and. Oh, it all takes that dollars. Stuff, so. You know, that's the big thing. Is it takes dollars. They're very expensive things to operate. Yeah. Um, the infrastructure involved in a race is huge. Um, you know, it costs H one a lot of money to do this. So, yeah. uh, everybody understands that. It does. You know, it would take financial backing fair amount financial yeah. backing to run both yeah. boats because um, it takes a fair amount to run one right oh, so, yeah. so we'll see but uh, I I believe that if he had two separate high dollar sponsors he would absolutely do it oh yeah you know yeah but I think anybody with two boats would right yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, so. well here's the hoping who's your that's yeah. right here's the hoping all right. Well, it's, it doesn't look any cooler out there. I mean, yeah. I think we're just staying here for another hour. Or yeah. So. Well, it is coming up on the dash for cash, though. Yeah. We should probably go and yeah and, and watch that. Yep. Got to support yeah. uh, support the guys. Should yeah. be fun. It's right. a five lapper with four boats, four top boats. So. Oh, well, they're doing five full laps. Five full laps. Oh, very cool. All right. Well, I really appreciate Brian you taking the time out of your busy schedule and my pleasure and talking with us and sharing some stories. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, we'll have to do it again. I think so. We'll have okay. to do an update this winter or yeah. fall or something. And we'll be around. Just and, we'll, and we'll update everyone on your RC boat how that's going. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. We will. Uh, do you guys do any uh, winter testing? Do you guys ever go out? Or, or does anybody um, ever just go out and like get a bunch of dudes together and go, every once go play a while. with your boats? Every once in a while. It's harder on the west side. Yeah. Because like over here in Tri-Cities, they have um, like the pond over here or they have down in Finley. They have a spot that they can go year round okay. as long as it's not frozen over, right? And they can go out whenever. But it's it's harder to find a, a good spot in the Seattle area because okay. of restrictions. Okay. Um, we can't go down to Coma or Marysville often, okay. but uh, there is a club that they they do some test sessions like around January, February, okay, uh, even in November okay. time. So I'll let you know. Yeah, please do. On. So yeah, yeah, be awesome. fun. All right, awesome. All right, well, thanks, Brian. Thank you. All right, well, good luck. Hopefully, everything works out tomorrow for you. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Well, Brian's a great guy, and I really appreciated him taking the time to talk with me in the interview. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun. Really uh, enjoyed talking hydroplane history with another hydroplane geek. It's always fun to to be able to do that. Uh, if you're a hydroplane fan out there like me, you don't always get that chance, uh, especially when you're not around the racetrack. But uh, that was a lot of fun, that, and I hope that uh, we can do another interview this this fall or this winter and talk about uh, the progress of their hulls and, and what's going on with their team. That'd be a lot of fun.
That, uh, that interview took place Friday afternoon before the Dash for Cash in Tri-Cities. And that morning, I was there in the pits early and uh, saw them uh, take the uh, Payne West insurance out. And that was an early test morning test session. And that was a that was a busy test session. I think they had I counted all eight boats on the docks um, when they opened the, the water, and they had two boats that were waiting to be uh, slung on the cranes to go on the water. That was that was that was pretty exciting to to witness that. But um, it was really cool to see them christen the boat. They had the boat uh, on the water there. They had it on the sling, and they they uh, popped the champagne bottle and and uh christened their new craft that uh took a decade to build uh, i was i i didn't remember it actually took that long um to build um i was talking um to my wife about it because we went to their shop about five years ago i had some friends from new zealand come up and they got toured around the boat and sat in it and that was uh i can't remember that was that long ago but uh, i was glad to see it out uh, it's always fun to see a boat being christened, but it was it's kind of a bummer to see that in that morning test session, they tried to go out and they couldn't get it on a plane and it was a no-go. So it was a lot of excitement and hype for the boat to go out and just to, to not happen. But luckily they were able to get it back um, together and, and they were able to make the, the afternoon test or the later test session that morning. And I was on the beach for that, and I could see see the whole course when they're running. It actually looked pretty good out there. It uh, looked like it was a little bit loose, though. It looked like the right Swanson was lifting off, and they had some uh, kind of water issues on hitting the skidfin brackets. But uh, otherwise, it looked it looked like it was it was running good. It's kind of a, a a good first run for him until he was coming back, and that he lost that escape hatch. And that's something a lot of fans probably don't know of or think about but they they drivers have to have an escape hatch on on the bottom of where they're sitting because once they if they ever go out over in a flip uh they're protective of that enclosed canopy but if they're upside down the easiest way for the, the rescue crew to get to them is when they drive over there on their boats is to pop that hatch in the bottom and then pull them out and um so that's a really important part of uh, of the craft, and it's also easier for the driver to get out. Say he's um, flipped, and he's conscious, and he's fine. Um, he can unstrap himself in the cockpit. He can push it open and actually escape himself. If you look back, I remember two seafarers that this happened. It's 1997. Mark Evans. If you watch uh, footage on YouTube, so I don't remember what heat that was in. I think that was the second round or something but he mark evans was going up in the north turn and he flipped over landed upside down and before the rescue crew could even get to him he was out he ha- opened the hand uh, the escape hatch you could see his legs wiggle through almost like it was <laughs> the hydro was giving birth to a hydroplane driver and he wiggled through and popped out and he was on the deck before the rescue crew could even get to him um and so it's important for them to, to be able to get out quick even uh, for another reason is the cockpit fills up with water pretty quickly uh, when they're upside down. The whole capsule fills with the lake water. It's not um, watertight. Um, the drivers do have an oxygen mask that they can wear 
but you never know. There could be an issue with that. And if you're stuck upside down underwater, you could potentially drown. And there's been several drivers who have come close to that over the years, unfortunately. It's important. It's an important thing to have, but there's also it also adds another risk to it. Um, Brian was he was very fortunate and lucky that in doing so in in that accident on Friday of the Columbia Cup when the escape hatch fell and sunk off, all that water coming up didn't injure him more than it did. He he seemed actually normal and just fine talking to him that afternoon, which was amazing um, because it's a lot of hydraulic pressure and force that was put onto him. So it's and it doesn't doesn't feel good at all. Um, Chip Hanauer, he had that happen to him twice in the '90s. I believe it was '93, '94, where he was driving his boat and the escape hatch fell off, just like Brian did last weekend. But uh, Chip didn't get out of it so easily. Um, it he I think he described it as basically a brick wall hitting you at 100 miles an hour. Um, you think water's you know soft and gentle and dangerous, but when you're going over 100 miles an hour, 150 miles an hour, and that water comes at you at that that speed, it's basically concrete at that at that speed. So when that water gets forced up into the cockpit, when you're going that fast, it it doesn't feel good. In fact, Chip had to sit out uh, the 1994 Gold Cup and miss it because the escape hatch came off. It, it, it uh, did enough damage to him that he wasn't able to perform um, to his fullest. He had to sit out and let Mike Hansen substitute for him. So it's 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 not a joke. It's a serious matter, and there's a million and one things that can go wrong on these boats, and it's it's dangerous and risky. But but we have a lot of safety measures to, to keep them safe. But when they fail, they uh, unfortunately they can they can do damage as well. So it's not just flips or those obvious crashes that that we see that can that can do damage. Anyways, talking with Brian, I really appreciate it again, Brian. It was a lot of fun talking with you, and I really hope that we can get your Navy One Eight scale together. Um, I meant it when I said I'd help you, Brian. So if you're listening, you got my number. Give me a call, and we we can get that out for you next year and mess around with. That'd be a lot of fun. Well, speaking of RC hydroplanes, let's take a listen on this. All right, you just heard the sound of a, a nitro-powered 1.8 scale hydroplane being started and carried to the water. Um, it's, a, it's a fun sound. It's a very familiar sound to me. I've been racing RC hydroplanes since 19, well, since the early 90s. Uh, I started racing with the RC Unlimited in 96 uh, with nitro-powered boats, but I started with electric-powered boats before that, and I've been racing uh, majority of my life. I guess I've been racing... 25 years in some form of RC hydroplane. But RC, RC Unlimiteds, they've been racing since the late 1970s in the pond behind the pits there in Tri-Cities at the Columbia Cup. And every year they come out there and they race their boats that are built and painted to every scale detail that they can have possible um, that would be on the real boats. The, t- the guys take a lot of pride in replicating those boats and making them look uh, pristine and scale, um, and that that doing so 
it helps preserve some of the history. Um, but it's also it's fun to see some of your favorite boats out there uh, that maybe not be well. You can't see them anymore. Um, you'll go out to a race and you can see um, boats of hydroplane past. You could see in one race you could see the 2012 Falcon racing alongside the 72 Notre Dame, the 69 Payne Pack, the 88 Miller High Life, and the 94 Budweiser racing on, on the water together. Uh, it's it's pretty fun. And they also, they have the same racing rules as H1 does. Uh, boats can get penalized for jumping the gun, uh, missing a buoy, having a lane infraction. Uh, they, they take it seriously, uh, serious racing. It doesn't matter how big the boat is. If, uh, if you're racing it, it's, uh, it's a serious, serious game. And they have four different classes that they race. They race uh, models that are powered, they're one-eighth scale that are powered with nitro-powered engines. They have one-eighth scale electric-powered uh, boats. Um, they also have a bigger uh, one-sixth scale gasoline-powered engine. And they also have a smaller, uh, slower class that has uh, one-tenth scale electric-powered. But they had a great race on Saturday, and I want to catch up with some of the winners and listen in on my interviews with Dave Brandt and Rob Brackett. I'm talking with Dave Brandt, the Saturday RC Unlimited's uh, 1.8 scale champion. He won the Columbia Cup uh, for RC Unlimited's with his 8 scale. And Dave, what? 6 scale. Oh, also 6 scale. So what models are you racing? So in 6 scale, I'm running the 82 Gilmore. And in 1.8 uh, scale Nitro, I run the 78 U64 Squire Shop. Uh, I've been running, so a funny story with the Squire Shop is I started out back in 1996, and that was the second boat I bought uh, from a gentleman that lived over in Vancouver. And then uh, as the years went on, I ran the 95 Pico uh, for, for a lot of years, as, almost as most as I can remember. And then here 25 years later, I wanted to build another boat that, that I kind of had some ties to, and it was that 78 Squire Shop. So I put that together. I've been running it the last three years. And I was able to, the first year with it, I won a championship. And then this year, uh, that was my second race one with it here in the Tri-Cities. And how many boats did you compete against yesterday? Uh, we had 43 boats yesterday, and I think 24 nitro and eight uh, one six-scale gas boats. So it was pretty competitive then. It was, it was a great day. And the boats, uh, the boats have really come along in the last five years or so. And there, every heat is like a final these days. Every boat is super fast. The driving is incredible. It's just a really good group of guys to come out and race their model boats of Unlimited and, and be an enthusiast. Yeah. And what makes you uh, do this? You know, what really makes me do it is, uh, is spending time with my father. So uh, we decided when I was a lot younger, he was trying to get me into stuff that we were going to do to keep me safe, essentially. Uh, we started running, started playing with four-wheelers and doing that stuff. And we both kind of learned pretty quickly that we, one of us was going to get pretty badly hurt doing that. Uh, so we got into radio control cars, which then uh, evolutionized into airplanes, which then came into boats. And, and the boats have just stuck with us. And the RC Unlimited is just a family that we're able to hang out with. And uh, everybody just has a great time. And so, But a lot of it is just spending time with my father uh, and being able to do this with him and share this time with him. All right, most excellent. So if there's anyone around the area that's interested in, in RC modeling, is there more races around the area or uh, somewhere so they can go get, to get information? Sure. You would go to rcunlimiteds.com, uh, and the, RC Unlimited's one word. 
uh, that would have all the information on our club information, what classes we run. They, we run one tenth scale electric, we run one six scale gas, one eight scale FE, and one eight scale fast electric. Uh, if you're from the Tri-Cities, you can always look up uh, Bill Brandt. He owns his uh, hobby, online hobby shop, which is allrc.com. Uh, we would have all the information we could visit with you and chat with you about getting into the sport. All right, very good. Thank you, Dave. You bet. All right. So I'm here talking with the 2019 Electric 1.8 scale champion from RC Unlimiteds, uh, Rob Brackett. And Rob, where are you from? Tri Cities, Washington. And Rob, how long have you been racing models? Uh, since I was 13, so it would have been early 90s when I started. Early 90s. Okay. And what model do you race? Currently. Right now, I currently race the 2008 Formula Boats U5 with the U7 Falcon in Nitro. All right. And you won the race today uh, with your Formula Boats. Yeah. And can you just tell us a little bit about the how the race went? Uh, it was a little hectic at the start, but after that, we were able to uh, get out in front and kind of set the pace at that point in time. We got a good push from um, Jim Britton and the Pringles, and we were racing for a pretty pretty good pace for four laps uh he put some good pressure on me down the straightaways we'd gain a little on the corners come out and then uh coming into turns one and two i think it was for the fourth lap he wound up hitting or cutting a buoy costing him a lap so it gave me a little bit of leeway to kind of cruise it around after that so it was kind of a nice comforting run in from there all right all right sounds like it was a really fun exciting win oh absolutely yeah all right and you've been doing this for a long time so what keeps you doing the models and what got you into it uh, my dad. My dad's been doing it since 1974, I believe, is when he built his first model. Ran down to California, and then he came up here and raced with Roger for several decades, I believe, or a couple decades. Oh, yeah. And then um, we stepped out for a few years and then decided to get back into it with the electrics uh, back in 2011, and been doing it ever since. All right. All right. And how many members do you currently have in the club? Uh, right now, they're averaging right around... 40 to 50 boats with all four classes up and running. Uh, numbers I don't know exactly total on the club. I think it's in the 100 and something total. Yeah, so there's a good amount of people. And Absolutely. I yeah. Largest scale club in the world. Right. So. And so what's what's the number one best part of racing models with the club? Uh, for me, it's the family and the friends. Getting out, being able to see people on a you know regular basis every couple of weeks throughout the spring, summer, fall. Um, but getting to hang out with your family is definitely a cool thing. Getting to race and enjoy the experience with them is what we're here for. All right, well, fantastic. And great job today. Thank you. All right. By the way, these boats, are they're not your average ready-to-run boats that you could buy off the shelf at your hobby store. They're all custom-built boats. They are made from, from some of the same um, ingredients or, or parts that the real boats are made out of. They're, they use fiberglass, carbon fiber, Honeycomb, wood, plywood, um, some exotic uh, Kevlar, lots of different materials that they use to build these models, and and they're pretty quick. They can go over sixty miles per hour. Um, some have even gotten closer to the the high sixties, even seventy miles an hour. They're they're fast boats, and they they sure are a hoot to 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 race and to watch, and they put on just a great show. Um, as I said earlier, this, this has been a large part of my life. My, my father, Roger Newton, was instrumental in some of the clubs in the area, as well as promoting the hobby of scale hydroplane racing. So I think uh, I owe it to him and to several of you out there to, to do a show about them later, have a podcast about uh, 
RC hydroplanes, scale racing, because there's a lot of great things with those clubs um, that are in the area and the boats themselves. Um, we've got, we're lucky here in, in Washington, we have some great um, scale radio controlled clubs, including Classic Thunder, RC Unlimiteds, ERCU, um, the district has a has district eight and namba has a club here uh as well as uh, another electric club and they race all around the state of washington but there's many other clubs out there in the united states and around the world there's uh, rc scale racing in new zealand even canada all around the united states germany so there's a lot of people out there that enjoy these things and they're they're tons of fun so Let's let's do that. Let's have another podcast about that later on and, and discuss that in more detail. Maybe I can bring on a guest to help me talk about that. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed part one of our two-part Columbia Cup special. I know I had a lot of fun at the Columbia Cup this year. It's always a great time for me. It's a, it's a vacation to see friends, get out in some warm or really hot weather. You can always count on that. But it was it was some absolutely great racing. I'm really excited to talk more about the racing in the next episode, we're gonna break down. We're gonna break down the action of the race, some of the heat races, and the the fantastic final heat that I got to witness in person. And hopefully, you got to watch um, on on live streaming if you weren't able to be there in person. So look for that. We're gonna have that part two of the Columbia Cup special be released in a couple days here this week before Seafair. I'll also be talking a little bit about Seafair and some of my predictions. I know some of the predictions I had for Columbia Cup weren't true, but I, I did nail a couple of them on the head, so we'll see what I have to say about that. But just so I know that you're listening out there, please hit that subscribe button to subscribe to my podcast, Rooster Tail Talk. When you subscribe to Rooster Tail Talk on your podcast player, you'll get notifications of new episodes. Also, don't forget to check us out on social media, for updates and hydroplane news, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's all I got. So until next time, I hope to see you at the races. <laughs>